This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two Wookiees lost in a desert, Nick White. Hey. And our very special guest from the Next Issue Podcast and so many other things, Danny Martinez. Hello, everyone. Danny, before we get into the show, I think the people out there have got to know who you are, what you do, why why are you here on this podcast with us? What are you here to talk to us about? I mean, more importantly, just who are you? And we'll get into the rest of that later. Well, uh, Mike, I am a, an avid comics reader, as I like to describe myself. Um, I believe my purpose is to get other people to read comics. So hence, I'm on this podcast because I think you guys do some of that. Just a little bit. Overall, just... Yeah, I'm just somebody that loves to talk about comics. I got my own comics podcast too, and it's not—it's uh, insane that I'm here talking more comics with you guys. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we're super happy to have you, man. I, I, you know, we love talking to you on our Discord and all of all the other places on the internet. You know, just about comics in general, and it's nice to have someone that actually reads big two comics on the podcast. You know, consistently, so we can talk about all of that today. But before we get into our actual topic that we're going to be focusing on today. Let's get into the thing that I have to ask every single week, which is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, you know, I've I've been okay. I've I've managed to get um some reading done uh this weekend and not managed to get as much uh laundry done as I wanted to get done this weekend. But um nice. the the day is still young, and so if anyone was wondering what sort of action packed uh Sunday I've got planned uh it's 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 laundry sorry to disappoint um in terms of some things that i've read i read um orphans one and two these are issues that are about 100 pages a piece um they were originally released as a comic book called orfani um in 2013 and then magnetic press which is the foreign imprint of lionforge comics uh, imported this book, which I only have to assume is probably um, Italian, I think, from what little of little Italian I know. And this book is written by, here we go, I'm going to butcher so many names in a row. Here we go. Try it. It's written by Roberto Recchioni, who was recently the co-writer of 2018's The Crow, Me- Memento Mori. Uh, it's drawn by... Emiliano Mamukari for the first issue and Alessandro Bignamini for the second. The colors are by Lorenzo De Felici and Annalisa Leone. And the covers are by Massimo Carnavale. So if I went like two for eight there, I that's fine. Uh, yep. That's a passing yep. grade for me. I'll take it. Go in the on the Discord chat is saying, okay, those weren't too bad, even though he did give you three big oofs. So yeah, three big oofs <laughs> out of eight. <laughs> so the premise here is relatively high concept, and at least initially, when you're reading this, you kind of worry that you're reading something comparable to just another Hunger Games or Battle Royale sort of retread, especially when you consider that this book came out in like 2013. So we can say, oh, Hunger Games is kind of you know wasn't that long ago now, 2013. It was right around the corner right basically so but honestly it actually draws a much more stronger comparison to halo reach the video game which came out in 2010 um there are a lot of parallels to the whole like super soldier spartan conditioning program thing that you you see in some of that so the the basic premise is this earth gets hit by this big ass cosmic blast from space 
And in that instant, about one-sixth of Earth's population is pushing daisies. Uh, The conclusion drawn from this is that it's time to conscript orphaned kids into an elite fighting force. Um, Because I was like, like, it's not like one-sixth of the population is left. It's like five-sixths they're still, I mean, you'd think you wouldn't have to resort to this, whatever. Um... (laughs) I'm already just trying to break the uh, break the core crux of this book, you know, over my knee here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we're told this by this lady who looks like Jessica Chastain, who also happens to be a doctor, despite advocating for some stuff that kind of uncomfortably pushes the boundaries of one's Hippocratic oath. <laughs> also, she's wearing an electronic eye patch with a glowing red dot that looks like Solid Snake's solid eye from Metal Gear Solid 4. Oh yeah. Why does that, any discussion of Metal Gear always sound sexual? It always sounds sexual. I think it's <laughs> I don't know. It always is. All of this discussion of solid snakes and everything. I don't know. Just just look up solid snake, solid eye. I promise the Google results will probably be Metal Gear oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, And so basically this lady tells these kids, oh, there is someone out there and they kicked our ass, which I was like, OK, I mean, that's a pretty good elevator pitch. And, I mean, they drop these kids in the woods to see how they'll work together and basically whether or not they're going to put on an impromptu production of Lord of the Flies. And it's like, oh, boy, this does really feel a lot like Hunger Games. And one of the kids is like, they can't expect us to make it out here. We're just kids. And this other one turns to the reader and they're and they're like, no, we're orphans in all caps. And like at that point, I wasn't sure if that was the moment where I needed to absolutely just stop reading once and for all or if I was just going to see this all the way through to the end um and like at this point i'm like who is this book for like is this book for kids is this book like for youths is this like a hunger games sort of thing and then they show that doctor here's another name i'm gonna butcher but at least this one's fictional so maybe i don't feel as bad uh her name is jasana jurik and she's topless smoking a cigarette the eye patch is still affixed to the front of her uh, her uh, her head and uh, she's just had sex with K- Colonel Takashi Takeshi Takeshi. Oh my goodness, Nakamura, uh, the mm-hmm. other adult who's basically overseeing this whole process. And I'm like, okay, so clearly this book is for Metal Gear fans. We've got smoking and we've got eye patches. I know who this is for. Um, on that note, like, can we bring smoking back? Can we make? No. Can we? No. Can we? Listen, ma- as look, listen, we have a platform, host- and I think we have a responsibility. Let's. I, let's- as, as the host of this show, I have to. I have to say that smoking's not cool. I'm just just calling it out for everybody who's listening. <laughs> what? Nick, what the fuck is this book, Nick? What are we are we getting the play-by-play here or is there actually a lot more than what you're describing? I mean, like beyond this point, right? So we flash forward and these kids get sent to this planet, you know, to basically enact revenge for, you know, one sixth of Earth being obliterated. And we end up like fighting these these aliens that look like orange crystalline versions of glob from x-men okay and and you know it's it's again it's high concept the action's really well done i think one of the things that you kind of always struggle with in a book like this is when you have all of the characters just constantly wearing armor all the time and helmets all the time right it kind of becomes a question of how do you make everybody instantly identifiable, right? right and right. this is why I also think these people played Halo Reach because Halo Reach really did a great job at finding 
ways to sort of subtly tweak one person's helmet design from another, one person's weapon designs from another, you know, even the way one person's like armor was sort of designed and 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 decaled versus another. And I think it really worked to sort of make a identification shorthand for people. Mm-hmm. And this book did that as well. And um yeah, it reads really fast. I'll just leave it on this, which was very odd. Like, I think, I mean, I say I think, but I've actually got the book. I just haven't seen it in a while. It's a smaller sized book than your normal American trade. And because of that, most pages have between three and five panels, six panels max, which hmm. is very weird. And at first it's kind of disorienting, but in the end it actually makes for a much quicker read. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I picked up all of it. Uh, I'll probably see this through the, to the end, if only just because it clearly feels like someone loves Metal Gear, I guess. Sure. Uh, beyond that, I'll just briefly say the other thing I read was Bang 1 through 3 by Matt Kint, uh, Wilfredo Torres on pencils, Nayoung Kim on uh, colors, um, Nate Picos on letters. Basically, Matt Kent loves pulps. He can't get away from pulps. He absolutely loves detective stories. We know this if you've looked at some of his stuff like um, Super Spy or uh, Pistol Whip, I think is what it was called. Um, You get a lot of stuff like that. He loves it. This book reminds me a lot of, it's kind of Dial H meets pop culture action. And with each issue, you have sort of a, Matt Kent playing with a different archetype, whether it's sort of like a John McClane um, diehard character or um, or a uh, I can't remember the guy who owns the car and Knight Rider, the one that David Hasselhoff plays. Knight Rider. Um, that's his name, right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we fucking nailed it. Um, yeah. yeah, he's basically riffing on that stuff, and I absolutely love it. I haven't read a book this fast in a while and I actually read half of the prose because that's how engaged I was and considering sure. each book is like four pages of prose in it um, that's a, a big deal for me so yeah absolutely love that book I totally see why it's getting the praise that it did um, most of the time I will read a comic book that gets a Keanu Reeves pull quote on the cover of the first issue but um, sure. I'm glad to see that this was uh, worthy of that praise so yeah it's good. It's good to hear that this book continue to be good. I think I read issues one and two, and I just never got around to reading three. Um, even though I know I have it, I just never actually sat down to read it. Uh, and I was wondering how far he was going to take the shtick that of like different spies and different action movies and stuff because it, it seemed like a Mark Millar move. But I knew that Matt Kent was writing it, so I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. And it was interesting enough, um, so maybe I'll have to go back and finish it or maybe reread all of the issues. You kind of hit on an interesting point, and I'd have to go back and look at this again. But I honestly do feel this book was marketed far differently than the end product. I don't think I, I noticed it, noticed how it was marketed. Comic book marketing is a whole thing. I think we could do a whole episode about that because it exists except for it only exists in like a handful of places the same way that comic books only exist in a handful of places, um, or at least single issues do. Uh, I've got a whole spiel about that. But uh, before we you know before we get into that, Danny, let's let's move over to you. How have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading, dude? Uh, well, Mike, I'm doing very well. Uh, broadcasting live from the winter wonderland that is Texas. We we have, 
you know, we I know Nick didn't give a weather watch update, but we have snow in Texas, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, wait, hold on. You you have snow in Texas and it is it is like very nice and sunny, no snow or anything here in New York. How is that a, how is that possible? You know, I mean, I know how it's possible. It's called global warming, but still. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to I I enjoy when we get like one or two days of snow in the year, so I'm not going to uh, ask too many questions about about the reward, so I'm just going to enjoy it, take some cool videos, you know. But as far as uh, reading comics, as you mentioned, 2021's been a... I started off with a real big bang, not to play on Nick's word. No, uh, no, perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, which I do want to read that book. I picked up the first issue and I decided to wait for the collection. Mm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's good. You know, in 2021, I started keeping track of my comics differently. Uh, so I'm about 2,800 pages of comic book reading in into 2021 Jesus. what uh, a lot of what it is, is that ma- per day what is the per day breakdown on that because that seems i think it's a lot it's a lot of manga volume so it's once you you know manga volume has a lot of uh, pages so you can get there pretty quickly yeah um, yeah yeah you know, when you read two volumes of 200 pages each uh, in a yeah. day um, now is this I, mostly all one series or two series or are you no, just it, all over the stuff. board I'm all over the place. Uh, yeah, everything, every everything in comics. There was a lot for me to read for Future State this week. Mm. Uh, as Mike mentioned, uh, I I do love reading Big Two because I'm the worst comic book fan. Uh, nah, don't don't ever feel bad about it. I just am making a, a, a note a, a thing that I noticed as I was putting together today's notes that like we rarely we, we don't talk about Big Two books very often, and so it's good to have someone that's like entrenched in it on the show as like a as a kind of a, a refresher as to where things are. Yeah, I'm glad, and also I look forward to that marketing comic uh, book episode because I I don't know I just buy comics because I know they're there. I don't know how else people find out about them. Right, right, which is why I like talking about them. Uh, but for this week, I want to talk about, I read Batman Volume 3. This is the latest Volume 3, not to be confused with Tom King's Volume 3. Mm-hmm. Um, Ghost Stories. Uh, it uh, it collects Batman 101 through 105 and the annual number 5. It was written by James Tinian IV with a slew of creators, but mainly on art is Guillaume March uh, and Tommy Moreau on colors. The annual is done by James Stoko, which made me lose my mind because i had never seen james stoko do a batman book mm-hmm. i'll get into that more when i you know finish this story but we pick up in the aftermath of joker war i don't know if you guys read joker war or know even what it is i don't so could you give us a quick refresher <laughs> yeah sure uh the joker thanks to the you know some tribulations that uh went on and some of the help from uh, from catwoman he took all of Bruce Wayne's fortune. Like he was able to control it and he became the richest man in Gotham. Okay. Uh, so without the money, it's kind of hard for Batman to do Batman things. Uh, but he can still do them, just not as effectively. So, <laughs> right. You only have a limited supply of Batman. Yeah. He just has a track phone in a, in a, in a Geo <laughs> Metro and that's, that's the new Batmobile. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in, in the aftermath of it, uh, Bruce Wayne actually doesn't get his fortune back. It all goes to uh, Luke Fox, who is his uh, CEO at uh, Wayne Enterprises to control everything. Uh, so this kind of changes. This sets up Batman being a different, taking a different approach to being Batman uh, going forward. Um, so in this volume that I read, uh, somebody shows up from Batman's past called the Ghostmaker, 
which I love. I love the names. I love James Tinian is really good at kind of adding things to the Batman mythos that feel like they always belong. Sure. You know, so so the Ghostmaker is somebody from Bruce Wayne's past who knows who he is. Uh, and they have this kind of agreement because they're both really capable as far as like you know, being a vigilante. They just take different approaches to it. And Ghost, Ghostmaker finally shows up to prove that he can do Batman's jobs better than than he can do it himself. Uh, in the last arc, we were introduced to Clown Hunter, who is oh uh, a teenage boy, a teenage boy that he hunts Joker uh, clowns because they Joker killed his parents. Uh, so he's out for revenge, and he the way Ghostmaker is going to prove that he's better than Batman is by starting off and killing Clown Hunter. I was and, gonna say, Ghostmaker kills people, right? Of course, he has to kill yeah. people, right? That's just that's just part of the rule. I feel like some of these, sometimes these new these new characters in this franchise, like they're focus tested with a bunch of seven year olds that have just been given too much soda, and they're just showing them pictures, and they're like, "What do we call this guy?" And they're like. Ghostmaker, and it's like that's good. For sure. Someone else is like, "Do we want to get a second opinion on this? Should no, we bring in a second group of kids?" No, no. They bring in a second group, which is a, a bunch of like thirty-five-year-old comic <laughs> shop dwellers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and then they just show them Ghostmaker, and they're like, "That's brilliant. We can't outdo that. That's not yeah, even yeah. who came up with this. This is genius." No, you take you take a noun and then you grab a a, a, a verb and then you smash them together and then you got Ghostmaker, Clown Hunter, uh, you know. Uh, There's so a name the, generator website yeah. that Tinian is using and no one else has found it yet. That's what I was going to wait. I was going to wait to announce that until after the break, but uh, I guess yes. we can announce it right now. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The Batman Go villain name, <laughs> name simulator. Yes. Yeah, finally. Batman villain name name generator. I'll get working on that just for you, Danny. <laughs> Thank you. I, I finally know what my Batman villain name is. Uh, and can go on to make big things like Childish Gambino did, did, did what is a Wu-Tang name. Yes, okay, exactly. I, I don't want to open a massive can of worms here, but it's as someone who's largely not entrenched in any of this, I thought a certain particular villain was very dead at the end of Scott Snyder's run. Um, no one stays dead, Nick. I don't know if you've ever read comics. Yeah, the- Okay, I didn't know yeah. if they had tried to do any maneuvering to explain this, or if they were like, "Look, we know everybody wants this, and everybody's like, do, I mean, do we want?" No, this? at the end of Snyder's run, the I mean, I think you're, you're talking about Joker, I believe, right? Yeah, at the end of uh, yeah, they, they show they show that he's got it, the same thing, like he's got a clean memory or whatever. Sorry for the spoilers for that three year old book or whatever. <laughs> probably oh, older. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, because we had the Joker war with uh with Riddler, so he's been back before already. Uh, he's you know he was in Tom King's thing with the Batman Catwoman wedding, so he's been back. Oh uh, right, right, right. Anyways, right. okay. Yep. You know yep. we could pick Danny's yep. brain about everything that's been happening in the last five years of Batman since we all stopped reading it. That's a different uh, episode. But anyways, so was this was this volume good? This Batman Ghost Stories that you read. Yeah, let me. So the the things that I like always, uh, like I said, Tinian, I think he can write a fun bat story. I I love his independent work a lot more because I feel he's better when he has less restrictions from editorial. Interesting. Uh, but he's really good at playing within the lines that that he's given. Uh, we finally learned the origin of Clown Hunter, which I think that was cool. Uh, as as a just comic book fanboy, we get a Grifter versus Batman fight in the first episode. So the Grifter is back. 
Okay. Which I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But give me more Grifter. Like he's he's one of my favorite characters that generally can't like fold it into the DC continuity. Uh, and then there's also this really cool this really cool uh, uh, storyline with Punchline that hasn't been resolved, but we keep seeing little seeds planted everywhere after the Joker War. Uh, so like Tinian's really like he's playing with something, and I, I hope he's gonna pay a win. Uh, and then like I mentioned, having Stoko in a Batman book. That's just a win-win for everyone. Like, yeah, even sure. if you don't like anything, you can go read that annual on its own, and then you'll have a Stoko book with the, you know, that that's Batman. So, mm-hmm. um, the the one thing I didn't like as much was there's a little bit of artist inconsistency because there's so many people working on this thing. Oh, right. <laughs> after going through Joker War, which Jorge Jimenez did all the art or mo- like really most of the art for everything, like it's a little jarring to go in and jump around between artists which i think for the most part they all did a, a good job is just really, it like it it changes the, the mood of the book when you go from a more stylized art to something that's a little bit grittier and then you know back around so that would be the only thing but i mean it's monthly serialized comics so i understand that deadlines happen yeah yeah um, but i like it all these books usually hit hoopla and stuff like that or or they'll be in that infinite service later on so I definitely recommend if you're a Batman fan, if you want to know what's going on uh, before all this future state and infinite frontier stuff, like mm-hmm. this is the last story before that. So, Gotcha. Well, we uh, speaking of future state, um, let me tell you guys about what I read this week. Um, I uh, I sat down and read a Turtles number one. This is uh, the Kieran Gillen, Asad Rebic, uh, Matt Wilson and Clayton Cole's book that came out from Marvel. Um, you guys may have seen this on the shelves. You may have seen some other things i don't know about it but um yeah this book to me read like the opening 15 minutes of like a 70s hard sci-fi movie not to say that it's exactly like 2001 by any means but that's the kind of vibe that i got lots of things are moving around without a clear direction beyond our protagonist kind of existing like and there's more like drive to that like our main character icarus has a purpose he's kind of questioning everything or whatever because these eternals can never die that's kind of the premise um I like that Kieran Gillen gets to have his fun with a little sidekick character in the, in the name of Sprite uh, that can kind of poke jabs that are very serious. And I put in parentheses, probably incredibly very emotional um, Icarus, our main character. Uh, it seems like there's going to be some standard Gillen at Marvel fair, which means that this book is ultimately going to be bombastic and a heck of a good time to read. I don't think that Kieran Gillen writes bad books at Marvel. I think that he has a kind of formula for what he does and how he delivers things and it's usually good um it's it's really big there's usually some bigger meaning behind it you can probably go read a ton of notes about it that he's written you know like forty thousand words about what this ultimately actually meant and like there's nothing wrong with that but that's just kind of what i expect out of this book so i think it's going to be really good also we got data pages baby i don't know if anybody's excited about that um i'm not going to say either way uh we got fucking data pages in an eternals book we're going to see, I guess, with number two, if it continues on. But it was interesting to see all a bunch of just lore dumped in front of our faces with no semblance as to whether or not it was going to be relevant. And if it is relevant, I'm going to have to keep that book around so that I can reference all the various people and places and things because I can't ever keep that stuff stuck in my head. It's kind of like um, if I can get up on a soapbox. It's like this whole problem that people are having with AAA games like Cyberpunk 
and and, and Assassin's Creed. Oh boy, we're, we're like, making friends here. Keep going. Oh yeah, making a ton of friends here. We're like these are games that have like two hundred hour play times or potential two hundred hour play times. You could play through them four, five, or six times, forty hours at a time. Nobody's got time for that. Nobody's got the patience for that. There's so many games and so many other things out there. How do you expect one person to be like so deeply involved in a single thing? Um, and I feel like some sometimes. Like X-Men, for instance, is in this this exact same problem. You kind of have to be all in on the X-Men in order to really get what's going on with the X-Men. Uh, and I think that's kind of unfair to the casual overview or overall character reader of comic books. Um, anyways, again, that's a whole other rant soapbox thing that I can go into. But I do want to talk a little bit more about this book. Um, uh, we could talk about Rubik's art for a second. Uh, he has same face syndrome. It's here to stay. Nothing wrong with that. But just like, you know... <laughs> Sean yeah. Phillips and a handful of other character artists, a lot of their faces are just kind of samey. Um, and you know that it's them. It's that distinctive of a, of a look that you know it's them. There's a couple of classic Rebic um, character poses that you see in all of his books, particularly the Wolverine cover where um, there's a naked nightcrawler standing across from you. You definitely got the, the pose of this slumped man in a chair in this issue. Um, on a whim, I had decided to read through the miniseries Silver Surfer Requiem a couple weeks back. Um, go read it. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Um, I think someone else on our Discord was also reading it. Um, and it's funny to see that it's been like 15 years or something like that since that book came out, I think. And Rebic's art looks the same, uh, which is not bad. It's just it's insane to see a consistency in someone so solidly um, over the many years. Um, I, I think that even with the sameness of some of his art, Rebic does bring this huge feeling to the whole book. Uh, the the fantasy backgrounds, like it, it reminds me of this this f- retro sci fi thing that you saw from again seventies and eighties of people looking into these weird neo fantasy sci fi worlds where just things are a mix of naturalistic magic and technology all in one that kind of puts you in it in like an uneasy situ- like feeling and. Um, I think that's what makes this book really exciting and scary um, at the same time. It, it reminds me just of like concept art you would see, but this is a sequential book. So I was really, really impressed by that. And the thing that kind of surprised me on this book was Matt Wilson on colors, because I think that Rebic usually works with someone else in terms of colors that kind of re- like give off this like sickly pale beige on blue that kind of doesn't sit well but makes everything really stark um kind of look and to see matt wilson's colors on this book kind of add a little bit more pop when there usually is this kind of washed out coloring and i think that washed out style is definitely still there i think it's kind of goes hand in hand with rubik's art but um matt wilson on this book was was a surprise to me like you get more of those pale blues mixed with slightly tinged beiges, like I said, but there's also a lot of stark pop colors um, that I liked. And uh, one thing I did really notice was that each location had very distinct uh, throughout the book had very distinct colors. So it made like revisiting and flashbacks and all that stuff, like a lot more memorable in your head as you were reading through it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess the, the one thing I will say to end this is I'm probably going to keep reading this book because I think it's really cool. I really like this. I, this, the style that they're going with this book in the direction. It's probably going to be a fun romp um, around the Marvel universe without being too tied into anything um, cosmic <laughs> null. Um, so, you know, it's going to be good. And I, I just want to say, if you go to the comic shop, uh, make sure to ask for your behind the scenes Eternals number one. And they, oh, should right, give right. You, they should give you a free copy. It has a bunch of stuff that the stuff they kind of throw into like the director's cut. Uh, it's really cool. It's very interesting to see behind the, the scenes process of com- well, I think it's very interesting to see behind the scenes comic book process yeah. uh, stuff. 
Uh, and then just pick up one of the 20 variants that they came out with for this number one. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. This is a dynamite book. Yeah. Um, uh, Cinco is calling me out in the Discord. He says that number two is a Thanos story. Yes. Yes. I guess my my hope is that this is an independent story of the rest of the Marvel U because it doesn't seem to be painted black like everything else. <laughs> yeah. And, and, right and Thanos rarely focused on like his deviant side like like him being a deviant as opposed to just being thanos like a bad guy so hopefully it'll go more into that part of it as opposed to just like thanos destroy stuff you know uh sorry sicko is just calling me out on blast here i don't hate donny cates i just i don't like when stories overcome the entire entire marvel universe i'm sick of it i'm tired of it that's pretty much what it comes down to i've never i haven't read any dc or marvel books that donny cates has done really at least in the last like five a couple years, maybe three or four years. I don't know. And um to put Cinco at ease, I love Donny Cates enough for both of us, so don't worry about it, Cinco. Yeah, that's true. Um the other book that I did read was Future State Wonder Woman number one. This is by Joel Jones and Clayton Coles. Danny challenged me, and so I had to step up and actually read this. So I grabbed it for a couple bucks. Um and it was funny because I was I was talking to Kelly about this. She likes some Wonder Woman books, and uh she was the one that made this connection of Wonder Woman being in Brazil and the whole Amazon River, and I rolled my eyes so hard because I didn't put it together at all. Like I'm pretty sure that it's in the synopsis i'm pretty sure that it's like right there in my fucking face i just didn't even put it together um i i, I think this book was like i think i rated it like a three out of five when we we're talking about it uh it was pretty much in the middle for me like it was fun there's a quirky sidekick um that kind of remind me of midna from legend of zelda twilight princess but snarkier i my love for the game hades really kind of pulled me in because this idea of wonder woman having to go to hades which i was rereading the issue today and i can't seem to figure out why they were going to hades I don't, Danny, I don't know if you have the answer for that, but um, I'm I'm excited at least to see where number two goes because the ending of number one was exciting. Um, so I at least will check out the next one. But yeah, I, I don't have like a huge title one woman. I've read a handful of books. So this just feels like another alternate take on an archetype that I kind of understand. And yeah, it's it's weird because so this future state number one came out and Comicsology doesn't have number two listed. I couldn't figure out how I'm supposed to read the next issue. And again, I used to be super plugged into comics and understand how all this shit works, but I don't read the previews book anymore. So like, how the fuck am I supposed to keep going? Now we, we should get four of these because all, all the future state regular series have four issues uh, because they're really just putting everything out at the same time right? Uh, that they had in, in, I guess for whatever they were planning before they changed their mind. So it should be four, just like, you know, some of the other ones. Okay. Uh, the non-anthology books, I guess. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so I went to go pre-order the next issue, I guess, on Comixology, and the next issue is like a, a, a Batman book or something. I don't know, a Dark Nightwing or something. I don't know. Darkwing Duck, is that what's next? Um, Anyways, let's... That's not a we bad can, crossover, yeah. We can, we can talk about it in the break, Uh, but yeah, let's, let's move on to comic picks. Comic books are dropping on January 13th, 2021. What are you both excited for? Um, Danny, let's start with you. Well, uh, to stay in brand, on brand... um. I'm <laughs> I'm very excited about Future State Dark Detective number one. Okay. Uh, and not only because it's a Batman book, because if you look at the creative team, uh, we're going to get two stories, one by Mariko Tamaki uh, with art by Dan Mora, and then one by Matthew Rosenberg uh, with uh, Carmine D. Gian Domenico. Uh, yeah, I think I said that correctly. Uh, Jordi Belair on colors on the first story and Fabella on colors on the second story. Um, and this kind of picks up in that alternate future that I was talking about after Joker War and all the stuff. Uh, the world thought that Bruce Wayne was dead. Uh, they're wrong. 
So now that there's a paramilitary organization running Gotham, uh, which you kind of see in some of the other stories in the next Batman and stuff like that, uh, you see that Gotham is very different. It's it's a very big police state. Uh, the Bat family is trying to do everything they can to help people out and combat the, the magistrate as they go. But Bruce Wayne is the one that's on the run because they're chasing vigilantes. Like, you can't be a vigilante anymore in this, this new police state. Um, I would have picked up this book if it wasn't a Batman book, if only because Mariko Tamaki is writing it and also because I love Dan Moore's art. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited um, I, I mean, I'm picking up all the Future State stuff, but because there was a limit on what we could talk about, I really wanted <laughs> to focus in on this one. Um, I don't recommend picking up all the Future State stuff if you care for your wallet. Uh, mine's about to hate me in the next few months, but, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll worry about that in March when the credit card uh, bill comes to. Right. That's a Future Danny problem. I get That's you. Right. That's a Future State Danny problem. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, what about you? What are you, what are you excited for this week? Uh, so for me, it's going to be a book from Image called That Texas Blood. Uh, the first volume comes out on Wednesday. This is written by Chris Condon, and art is by Jacob Phillips, as in the person that's been coloring all of the work done by his dad, Sean Phillips, over the past, I don't know, two years, two and a half years, somewhere around there. Um, so I'd never heard of Condon before. And I did a little research. Um, research is what you have to do when Comic Book DB doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so I, I looked up this Condon fellow, and Condon apparently has another book called Brutal Dark The Adventures of Ezra Kane P.I., which Jacob Phillips also draws. Uh, and there's a Patreon page that the two of them share where they put that work. So for those who are interested in that, perhaps um, that would be the place to look that up. Um, While trying to do some research on this book, I came across the fact that image is actually letting people read the first issue for free. I'm sure Mike will put the link in the show notes and hopefully anyone who's interested in that. I don't know why it suddenly wouldn't work, but it worked for me yesterday. So I think it should work just fine. Um, The promo for this is uh, criminal colorist and first-time solo artist Jacob Phillips and writer Chris Condon break onto the scene with a brand new ongoing series like Paris, Texas got punched by No Country for Old Men. Uh, Good. I I always love a it's this meets this statement. Those are my favorite. Um, Can't get enough of them. Uh, This mature neo-Western crime series kicks off when the search for a casserole dish leads to a dark, intense confrontation on Sheriff Joe Bob Coates' 70th birthday. So they're not actually kidding. This book or this issue um, is largely fueled by a search for a casserole dish. <laughs> um, it's not a joke, and this is not a humorous book, okay? This guy is turning 70. Um, they have their, I can't remember if they're having or they're about to have a celebration. His wife lends a casserole dish to um, another person in town, and her husband, who is the sheriff, is largely tasked with getting it back, and this has him sort of just roving all over town and talking to people and and um in an effort to get this this fabled dish back and in between all of these sequences which have a real nice kind of slice of life small town uh vibe you're kind of given this glimpse that 
this uh, sheriff dealt with some sort of weird satanic panic cult a couple decades ago. We see a couple newspaper clippings referring to this. Um, much like a lot of Brubaker works, um, there's a hint that this could go supernatural or weird. Um, we also learn some weird, disturbing facts about the sheriff's deceased brother. And we also have this scene where the sheriff is talking to sort of his replacement slash his partner on the force. And they're out in the woods, um, uh, sort of at a campfire. And we see this weird figure in the in in the woods basically you know creeping out from uh, behind a couple trees and this weird emaciated maybe human maybe not thing holding a shotgun and it's never explained and we don't know if any of the characters see it or not or if this is like a weird spectral vision thing i don't know it, i i definitely want to read this book now because it definitely has that killer be killed vibe of mm, is like this that. going to get weird or am i reading into things or is this going to get supernatural or am i seeing things that aren't there are they sort of toying with that perception and and obviously jacob phillips is not ed brubaker obviously nor would i expect mm-hmm. him to be or expect him not to be but well, Chris the Condon fact- is, is, is the writer on this, so I mean, Phillips. Right. Is, I'm collaborating on. It's art, a collaborative so. thing, right? Yeah, and 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 so I think obviously, I wouldn't think it would be out of line to see, you know, some homages or odes to to Brew Baker's work, just because Phillips sure. is so familiar with it. So we'll sure. see. Really interesting. I would encourage people check out that link. Try the first issue. Um, I found it surprisingly engaging. So. Yeah, it, it, it's a book set, uh, set in Texas, so I have to at least check out the first issue. <laughs> is that a rule? You just if, if anything is based in your hometown, you ha- or your home state, you have to pick it up. Yeah, it's a um, personal rule, just because I like to see like, are they gonna throw in real life stuff? Like, right, right. Uh, so, well, it's it sucks if you live in places like L.A. or New York, but I guess like if it's you know <laughs> Texas or Michigan or Ohio or something like that. Shout outs to the handful of people listening now. Um, you know that's that's something but well anyway so my, for my pick this week uh before we get into it i want to i want to shout out we're doing the same thing we did last week we're going to try to do this all year for people that are sharing the show on social media um if you share us online you know you could be entered we're basically going to potentially give you 20 bucks to comiXology or midtown comics um so we want because this year we want to help people read comic books so make sure to share the show instagram twitter are best places make sure you tag us and if you do um could potentially be winning 20 dollar gift card um, so yeah, let's, let's jump into some picks this week. Uh, some folks from the discord said, uh, Cinco said that he was into, he's going to be looking for homesick pilots. Number two, Aaron and I are actually both picking the same book this week. That is ha ha. Number one by W Maxwell Prince, um, art by Vanessa Del Rey, uh, for this first issue, at least I just, the team alone, I'm fucking on board. Uh, and it looks like we're going to be seeing like rotating art- artists as the series goes on. Like no- issue number two is Zoe Thorogood from uh the impending blindness of billy scott which is a wonderful graphic novel that i recommend everybody read um from the description haha is a genre jumping throat lumping look at the sad scary hilarious life of those who get paid to play the fool but these ain't your typical jokers is this a dig i don't know but i'm excited to 
definitely check this out because uh w maxwell prince i just read ice cream man volume five it is insane i think nick and i are gonna have to do an episode about that very soon um but all i can say is that this looks like a very cool book and w maxwell prince has proven you know for five volumes worth of stories that he can do an anthology book that is really engaging and really interesting to read uh and if this is going to be you know genre defying or genre jumping um i'm really curious to see what he does that isn't necessarily like existential dread and horror (laughs) so um really 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 excited for this book um coming from image comic books so um yeah let's let's take a quick break uh and with that we're we're gonna come back and we're gonna be talking about reading and collecting comic books from digital physical subscriptions other models kickstarter how do we do it why do we do it what makes us make the choices that we make so on and so forth so we'll be back in just a minute For our show this week, we are talking about just reading comic books. You know, it's a thing that we do. But more importantly, how do we collect our books from digital to physical? How do we choose a book in subscriptions or other models? Kickstarters, Indiegogo, going from there. Um, but before we get into that, I actually want to tell everybody that we have a our official yearly survey is open starting today. You can go to ircbpodcast.com slash survey. You can fill out a survey. It's like 10 questions long. We just want to know a little bit about the people that are listening to the show, what we can do to make the show better, and basically just get, just get a pulse. Just get a pulse on things. So if you can, take a second, go to ircbpodcast.com slash survey, fill that thing out, and uh, you could potentially win $20 gift card. We're doing a gift cards nonstop. Comixology Midtown, your choice if you win. Um, so go to ircbpodcast.com slash survey and fill that out. So Nick, Danny, the question of how do you read and collect your comic books, more importantly, collecting books, I guess let's, let's kind of start with digital versus print. At what point do you make the distinction in saying, I'm going to get this book in digital or I'm going to get it in print? And that can be in any capacity, but probably like single issues and trades. Um, Danny, let's start with you. Uh, sure. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so I, I think overall, I still I'm a big, big fan of physical media overall, uh, and everything that I can get it. But um, that being said, as far as reading the actual comic books, I definitely prefer digital. Like I think reading stuff on my iPad is, is my favorite way to go. Um, so mm. Mar- Marvel makes this a little easier because they give me a free digital code with with my books. Uh, with some of the other stuff, like I'll, I'll pick up floppies every week and then, you know, I'll go ahead and read whatever I can digitally, whatever I can't, then I'll just go ahead and uh, read it physically and then, you know, stuff it away in a box forever. <laughs> it's like a one and done kind of thing for you when it comes to physical books. Like in terms of like you, you read a book once and then if you want to read it again, do you go and fetch it? Yeah. And, and well, and I think that kind of connects to the other stuff because by the time I, I want to get back to read something or reference it again, it, it'll be on one of the subscription services that I have. Okay. Uh, okay. So I think, and because like I said, because I do love reading digital books, um, I think, I'm not sure why. I think the a lot of it has to do with the guided view. Um, mm-hmm. I When I jumped into comics, I kind of started, like it was all on my own and like, how do you read this? And like uh, as, as much as they want to make it straightforward, you know, there's some things that they just don't come natural to, our, to a lot of readers. And like, you know, how to follow the page and all that stuff. So the guided view, yeah. uh, it helped me learn that stuff. And I just really appreciate 
when it's well done, like it, it makes a comic book, I think, a lot better. Um, but when it's not properly scanned or whatever, uh, you can definitely tell like somebody put a rush job on, on some of these things. Right. But but yeah, overall, like I, I preferred reading digital. Um, I've my iPad just it's it's really bright. Like the the screen is really good, so I, I really enjoy just reading things digitally because I feel like I can fully appreciate the art. Whereas yeah. sometimes the quality of the paper that uh, you know the publishers use. Uh, it's been I, it's been declining a little bit. I, I'll you know from when I started collecting, like you can tell. Oh sure. I mean, like just to save money, like the the paper quality is not always the same, and it's not always there. Um, so I feel like you get the the intended look of the book. You can get it easier on the digital media. Right. I, I think there are creators out there who who might disagree with that, but we're we're not going to talk about that. Uh... <laughs> today but i i totally understand what you're saying i mean like getting that physical collector thing that that inner collector in me definitely um kind of yearns for that like i want to be able to have all the issues so that i can have this collection and all that stuff um but i have run into the issue of you know i just literally have no space um here in new york but before i get into my my discussion about this nick where, where are you sitting with digital versus print these days for me i i started out way back in the day largely with trades and say you know I, I i think for a lot of people i think that it sort of is a shift from i think trades are a great way to sort of start comics uh, everything comes prepackaged. uh it it looks like a book in a bookstore and so i think it looks familiar and not weird and 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 something bizarre like at Barnes and Noble where you'd have to go over into the magazine section, right. And, and look at these comics and, and worry about whether they're current or not. Although if you don't know anything about comics, the idea of them being current or not, isn't going to even be something you understand at that point. So you get the point. If it looks like a book, I think obviously it's much more approachable. Um, And so I started with trades and then the more I kind of learned about comics I of course wanted to switch to to floppies or singles um and sort of the more that you get into trades the more you sort of see that there are some shortcomings sometimes you do find yourself paying extra whether you want to or not right. certain publishers obviously like to gouge on trades <laughs> marvel and so that's kind of an issue and um beyond that uh like for me I I just uh the 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 shift to singles just made sense at that point especially you know wanting to be current with things and whatnot. Right. Um and so I I switched that and that worked great especially cuz I started to realize how like trades sometimes collect things differently than you want or or sometimes don't collect what you want at all. Right. Um and you know singles was was uh you know they were great for a while you get to stay current. Sometimes you're paying a little extra because of that, but you're on top of things. Um, you don't really feel like you're missing things as much as, you know, you're reading previews, you're reading solicits, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it asks a lot of the, the reader, um, the collector. Um, and, and the main reason I, I switched off of singles is of course, when I was looking to find ways to not only save space, but also save money, Sure. Um, when you start thinking about singles, you know, you're not just paying $4 for comic per comic for starters. You're probably paying more than $4 per comic. 
And then on top of that, you're paying for boards, you're paying for bags, you're paying for boxes. If you have fancier books or more valuable books, you're paying for other storage options and weird specialized um, boxes and storage. If you have, you know, gold era books or oversized books or things like that. And, um, you know, it starts to, it starts to really add up, but even then I don't think the money aspect of it really becomes as big of an issue as just the space, right? Because you can't, this isn't like a bunch of shit that you can go grab your closet and like throw a bunch of things in, um, you know, in a bag or something like that, or just cramp it all into a corner and just try to slam the door shut. Um, you know, you have to have space for these boxes and you can't weigh them down too much and you can't have one box, you know, crush the next box. And if all of this sounds insane, I mean, <laughs> you're just not involved enough to know how wild this gets. And yeah. if you're well, storing so, it in but, a certain room, you got to check your humidity. It's got to be no more than 10 points above or be below 50. You get the idea. It gets wild. All I'm asking, though, is. Yeah. Where are you sitting right now with digital versus print? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and I think if anything else, the last five minutes should illustrate for most of our listeners that I am very happy to be at a point where I am largely digital at this point. Yeah. I am just yeah. largely digital. Occasionally, I'm picking up a trade. I have some books, very few, that I am getting um, in singles. But that's it. I am I'm I'm pretty happy with digital at this point. Gotcha. And is there a particular reason other than, is it just space at this point, or is it just out of convenience? I mean, Danny said he likes to read uh, on iPad. I think I'm kind of in the same position where I I just think it's convenient to just have a lot of my comics in one place. I can just sit on my couch and have my whole library available. Um, don't I'm not trying to be a complete shill for Comicsology, but I do like that um, yeah. aspect a lot. I also think that you know if you organize things well enough with something like Google Drive or Dropbox, and you have a PDF reader that can connect to one of those things, that also gives you access to a ton of different stuff so i'm kind of in that boat of of reading digital but is it the same for you is it just space or is it convenience or anything like that yeah i mean i think it depends on the comic there are certain books where the glossy nature of the book and i think you see this a lot in big two makes it sort of unattractive to read in print versus like i like dark horse in terms of the dark horse paper texture and the matte texture you see a lot with their stuff so i i I do like reading those books physically beyond that um i absolutely love the ease and convenience of a digital book um uh just being able to just grab my tablet and know that everything is organized and organized massively better and in a much easier fashion than anything I've done myself, um, you know, with my own hard copy collection. Um, mm-hmm. I just I I appreciate that. And I mean, when I'm paying, you know, when I'm buying books on Comixology, sure, I'm buying the book. But really, for me, a lot of why I'm pay- what I'm paying for is just that value of someone else organizing my collection for me basically right, right. and i appreciate I, that and that's i will gladly pay money for that right you know and I, so Dan, danny do you do you find that as well like when when it comes to like is the organization side of reading digital comics another like big benefit for you uh 
It, it is. Although I will say now in the in the past few months, I have been having a great time, uh, like just organizing my physical comics. Listen, like, Danny, that's not what I asked you, man. No, I, I just kidding. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, but yeah, it, it's it really is the the ease of access. Like like if I want to read something, uh, you know, I don't want to go in and have to pull out like ten books out of my long box. Sure, um, sure. Especially because they're not really organized. I I need an intern if somebody wants to intern for me and help get that stuff organized please reach out yeah um, yeah it's an unpaid position but you get to read the comic books if you want oh tell them you'll pay an exposure because that's people I'm love sure, that i'm pretty sure that what danny's offering is what marvel used to offer in the 70s and 80s for interns i'll give um, you college you credit <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so um well, that's that's really interesting um, because I think like you know I I do love that side like I said before I love the the collector side of things I think that it's it's nice to kind of see the volumes the volume of your library right to be able to see all these things I mean I can look at the number of books that I have purchased in my Comicsology collection I can I can count all the you know items the like the PDFs and stuff that I've downloaded from Humble Bundle and you know from other you know places where you get comic books legally um, but like. It's it's interesting to to see that like actual physical representation of the thing. Um, and this this gets beyond comic books, right? I think a lot of people have this same feeling about movies and about video games and stuff. Um, plus, there's always the big you know looming cloud of what if one day the license is no longer available for this comic book, um, and then I start to get like really like anachronistic about it. It's just and we won't go into it today, but um, even still, like I, I think that there is you know I, I like I switch mostly to digital at this point. Um, but I do want to talk about like where the exceptions are. If if it sounds like you know me and Nick, we've switched over to digital, um, and Danny, you still are doing digital, but you have a mix of physical. Like, where where is the line then for you when you say? And I think Nick and I have a much you know, higher bar in terms of what determines what we're going to buy things. But when it comes to you know trying new stuff or depending on a creator, where is the line for you guys when it comes to saying I'm going to get this just in digital and that's fine, or I'm going to get this in physical, or I'm going to get it in both in some cases. Um, I guess I, I'll start here if only to say like I'm all over the place. So maybe I'm the worst person to start with. But, you know, 95 percent or 90 percent of my single issues at this point are coming from um, their digital. Right. I'm buying all of my books digital um, with the exceptions of like if I need to get a variant cover, if I feel like I really want to get it or if I want to support uh, in an indie book or something um, that, that doesn't have a digital edition, you know, I'll pick up the physical copy from like a local comic shop if I can get it. Um, but you know, most of my stuff is digital and I can get into, you know, trades and collections and OGNs and stuff. But I guess starting with single issues, like where do you guys draw the line? Um, uh, let's start with you, Nick. Um, you know, for me right now, I just, um, as I think I hinted at when I was trying to find ways to save money, I basically put a freeze, on my poll and and mm -hmm. um i didn't want to go absolutely scorched earth and shut everything down because i think sometimes when you do something like that it just gets way harder to you know get everything back into into motion again and so i basically sure. said you know um here's what's going to happen i'm just freezing the set of books on my on my poll um I'm not adding anything to my poll. I'm not going to remove anything after I, I did make a couple big cuts. But then at a certain point, I just froze it. And I said, no more additions when a series ends. Um, if another series with the same you know name begins, if a, if a reboot happens, if the next installment in the series happens, don't, you know, don't renew that for me. Just, um, 
let me, you know, when a miniseries ends or whatever, just send me the last issue or whatever. And so that's that's currently where things stand um, for me. I've considered adding more stuff to that, but as space becomes more of an issue and as someone who is maybe considering moving in the not too distant future, although given COVID, maybe it's the more distant future. I don't know, but like the, I feel like the moment anybody is considering even slightly moving the idea of bringing more stuff into your house becomes even more unattractive (laughs) than it was before. It's like you are deliberately working against yourself in this moment. That is what you are doing. And so that's kind of where the line is for me right now. And um, it does mean that I'm not quite on on top of things in terms of new stuff coming out. And so largely I'm just kind of watching Comixology for ideas and promotions. And, and then beyond that, Comics Twitter, I would say, is where I'm also sort of keeping yeah. an eye on, on, on newish things. But but that's that's kind of where the line is for me right now in terms of physical, other than like, as I said, if, if there's something coming out in trade, I might go grab that. But I think the difference is where I used to maybe buy that trade site on scene. Now it's more of a, have I read the digital issue or have, have I read the first issue in digital or have I read the first half of it in digital? Um, and then I'll go buy the yeah. trade, you know, yeah. as opposed to just sight unseen. Hey, this looks cool, you know. Which, which I think for me and for some people, it used to be, you know, it used to be that like, oh, this looks interesting, just buy it. Yeah, it, it, that's uh, it's really curious that you say that uh, because uh, that's pretty much how I I act. I go, oh, this looks cool, and then I'll pick it up, right? And I, usually yeah. I'll either I'll put or I'll put it on a wish list and kind of wait for it to go on sale if it's not a book that I know too much about, but. Um, Danny, what about you? Where where do you draw the line between I'm going to get this only in digital versus I'm going to get it in physical um, when it comes to like single issues? Um, when when it comes to buying physical and digital, I think I'm still very much driven by the like my consumer brain. Like like digital mm-hmm. doesn't feel like I'm actually buying anything. Sure. Because I mean, I guess technically I'm not. So like I, I would always I will always like I don't want to pay four dollars for a digital book. But I'll pay four dollars right. for a physical book because I own it. It's mine. It's in my house. Uh, you know, like it. It feels a lot more uh, tangible that I actually have it. Yeah. Uh, you know. So so that's why. And then like I, I love my comic book shops here locally. I've been going to them for a long, long time. Um, I think I I've talked to you guys about this before, but I actually go to two different shops: one to get my Marvel and DC stuff, one to get my indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think just as part of the ritual of going to the shop, like that's that's just something that's a lot of fun. Um, I'll pick up number ones like almost every week. I'll pick up a different number one of something. Yeah. Just to check it out, uh, just to see if it's something that I later want to read either digitally um, when it hits some some kind of service or something that I want to get a collection uh, later on. But yeah, but yeah. let's tell us your real reason, though. It's because you're hoping that that book takes off and that you can sell it on eBay for sixty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Danny. We know you're buying image number ones, and we know why. <laughs> do, I, do I have a big long box of number ones? Yes, I do. Do I keep checking the? Do I keep checking the trades to see if like this key issue went on? Like you know, they're making a TV show or a movie right. about it. 
See, uh, Danny, Danny's got a big, like, I'm guessing, like, website or something that is just tracking all of his number ones, and they're all just slowly going down over time. It's and just a whole bunch of Google alerts for, like, any time, like, the phrase, like, optioned gets put next to any of these. <laughs> and just the box Sorry. says, it, the box just says word number ones on the side. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, Danny, we're not trying to rip on you too hard. Here, no, no, it, not listen. too hard, but definitely, like, a little. Yeah, and, yeah. And- that, that definitely goes along well with the other point. Like at this point, I have so many uh, single issues that I'm okay with like at some point getting like either donating some books or giving yeah. them out or, or if I do have something worth selling, like I'll sell it. I have a few things listed on eBay that mm-hmm. I don't want to let go of, but if somebody's willing to pay the price that I put up there, right. Uh, you just that yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. Um, um, for just, just I mean, even if it's just for room say like, you know, sake of like space and stuff, mm-hmm. but but as far as like uh, with the big two stuff, like I just I love the individual covers. Um, I think that's that's one of the big reasons I always keep buying floppies, mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. I like I'm I'm drawn to something that looks cool. Like just having things on the one single issue with a cool cover. Like I have a bunch of single issues taped to my wall. Yeah, uh, just, I just get that. randomly. Uh, because I love seeing the art, like that's a big thing for me. So, and and in a digital issue or even a collection, like you don't get that, like you don't get that kind of stuff. You may get it in the back, but it's not the same. Yeah, it, it's not something that you could easily like put up on a wall if you really wanted to. And I, I, I totally get that that mentality because I think when I was going to the shop every week on Wednesday, um, you know, before you know COVID closed everything down, I, I haven't been stepped into a comic shop since. Um, like I, there was, it was just me picking up some random issues sometimes cause the covers looked really cool. And like, to, like it's almost insane to hear like, well, you weren't going to read that book. You just bought it for the cover. And it's like, yeah, kind of like I have a comic budget in like some weeks that's just short and I've got a few extra bucks, you know, like I could, I could definitely pick it up. So, um, uh, I totally understand that. Um, and I mean, when it comes down to, you know, physical versus digital, like f- for me, I, I kind of already touched on it, but like I'm rarely buying physical singles. And I mean, this is kind of me transitioning into when we're talking about trades and we're talking about things like, you know, there there are digital subscriptions out there and we can kind of talk about the the question of like what determines whether or not you're going to buy it versus what you're going to actually just read on, uh, you know, CU subscription or a Marvel Unlimited or whatever DC's version of that is, um, you know. I guess that really quick though, just to touch on you know trades and and stuff. You know, how are you guys p- determining if you're going to pick up collections or OGNs? Um, and I, I can I can say from my point of view, it's at this point like if an OGN looks good, usually I'll just pick it up physically um, because I like the idea of the one and done. I can justify a slot on my bookshelf versus you know the potential investment to an ongoing series that could go for sixty or seventy issues. Like that's to me a space investment, which is really bizarre to think about comic books like that. But if I just want to read the story, like like I don't have an issue with necessarily picking up the the digital copy of it because if I really wanted a physical version, I would buy the number one from a local shop or I would pre-order the trade from somebody. Um, but nine times out of ten, like I'm picking up at least ongoing series or even mini series in um, like from Western comic books as digital edition, um, with like rare exception of all of those fucking first second books that are just like. I can't get enough of and like box Brown puts out a book and it's like, I'm going to pick it up. And there are like handfuls of creators that I'm like, Oh, Brubaker and Phillips put up a book. I'm picking up that, picking up the physical edition of that. Same, same. Um, so I don't know if you guys have a distinction like that, Nick, I know you kind of touched on it already. Um, but is there something that like draws the line for like collections um, and not just big two, but just anything, um, whether it's just a mini series or OGNs that says, I'm going to buy this physical versus digital. 
is it also a price point thing? Because those seventy page collection, their seventy page OGNs are fifteen bucks still, whether they're digital or physical. Yeah, I mean you, you're not wrong, and not to go after Brubaker and Phillips or whatever was that book called, Bad Thursday or whatever. Um, Bad Thursday, the it one with the matter. the sad man smoking on the front. Uh, cruel summer. Cruel, cruel summer. Oh cruel no, summer. bad weekend. Bad weekend. Oh, think? bad week. Oh yeah. Cruel, I was gonna say, cruel summer is a big book. Bad weekend. Cruel yeah, summer yeah. is a song. Um. Anyway, um, something like that for me. Um, as much as I want to really help the creators with something like that, it's just, it's just really hard to swing because, like. Uh, what 75 pages for 18 or 19 dollars is i mean that's that's tough and i think what i would you're not buying the book at all though right what's that but at that point you're not buying the book at all though at that point like for me like that shifts into a hoopla rental typically okay um sometimes a cu if you can but typically that doesn't always happen and um i mean beyond that i guess maybe what that is is like it's a hoopla rental followed by if it's a really enjoyed hoopla rental then it becomes a purchase and i mean the only good thing the only nice thing not good the nice thing about that situation is that typically a lot of the ways that those books are priced on digital services the pricing is basically right in line with um with buying the print so at that point you might as well just buy the book because if you're mm. going to pay $25 for 80 pages digital or $25 for 80 pages physical, at least at that point, that decision becomes massively easier and you can just put a book on your shelf if, um, right. you know, and it's yeah. not a massive book. So, And to your point, Nick, like I, I just bought Reckless, the the new Brubaker book. Uh, I had already read it on Hoopla. So I read it before I bought it. And mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, I... And I have all the other books, Pulp and Bad Weekend and All My Heroes Been Junkies. But I read all those digital first by borrowing them from Hoopla. But I like, I really like the way they're collecting those books. The hardcovers are really, like, those are just really nice books to have as a collection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, actual physically on your yeah. shelf. They look beautiful. And and I'm doing the same thing with, uh, with the Black Label books now from DC because the the actual issues are weirdly sized they're oversized premium format whatever yeah, magazine sized uh, fucking books it's insane so i I'd rather just buy the the hardcover when it's collected all at the end because those are also very nice like the people that are designing books like that are in charge of all the graphic design at the big two right now they're really killing it like as far yeah. as like putting things together and not just the big two but but i would not normally buy a hardcover for dc uh, mm-hmm. especially all the new mm-hmm. 52 stuff that was not very nice to look at on your shelf but the stuff <laughs> they're putting out now like especially the black label things like they really look cool yeah it's it's really interesting to see the the attention to detail when it comes to those physical products that people are trying to because i think that danny your your point is totally valid that i think that dc and marvel saw the last couple of years and i mean I don't know about Marvel hardcovers, even to this day, I own a couple of them and they're not great. Um, But like DC and Marvel have had not had a good 
run when it comes to physical editions of their hardcover books and even their trades, right? Like they just, they aren't great quality, but that's because they're mass produced, right? So when I think when it comes to something like Black Label, they're trying to do something that's a little bit more focused. And I think some of the Marvel stuff that they've been doing, like these longer runs of collected editions, they're trying to actually amp up the quality so that people are kind of proud to have them on their shelf rather than just from a collector standpoint. Um, and I think it's it's you can see that that's becoming more and more apparent when it comes to independent books um, from Image and from Boom. And I mean, just to jump into the other piece that I wanted to talk about here was Kickstarters. You see that people are really, really upping the qual- quality of the product that they're producing because they want these things that they're creating to be memorable. They want them to stand out on the shelf. And they also just want to give the people that are paying money for them like actual, actually a good product. And specifically when it comes to Kickstarters, like I know that I've, I've followed it t- of them um, where the, their stretch goals are like, we're going to go from this quality of paper to this quality of paper. We're going to go from, you know, standard line to gold foil. Like we're going to do all this crazy stuff based on how many supporters they get. Um, and even to the next step of once they get past all of those product goals, then they're like, and then we're going to pay the creators more and then we're going to pay the creators even more. Um, and it's really exciting to see how successful some of these Kickstarters can be and what they can offer in terms of like a quality product. Um, and I mean, you see that sometimes the Indiegogo, but then the Indiegogo side of it is that it's all comics gate and it's fucking bullshit. Those guys can just get the fuck off the Internet as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, me making a really bold statement here, guys, a couple of years too late. But nonetheless, like I, I, I like what's happening when it comes to the Kickstarter stuff. And I think like you look at publishers like TKO and the physical products that they're creating for people that want the physical products um, is really, really interesting. Um, I know, Danny, you grabbed some of those TKO books. Um, I actually got a couple of them mailed to me last summer, um, the single issues and some of the soft cover collected editions. Um, what, what are your thoughts on some of the quality of that stuff? Um, yeah, T- I mean, TKO has been super cool. Uh, I will say my one regret is when I first bought it, I bought the book Sarah. And not because the book is bad, just I bought it in single issue format. Yeah, yeah. Which comes in a really nice box, but it's also weirdly sized for my bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so everything else I have TKO-wise is just the trades, which are very nice quality trades. Uh, I think they're fairly priced, especially because I picked up a lot of these on sales. Mm. Um, so the only thing I want to do is eventually just get the Sarah, like the trade. So it matches everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe I'll, I'll either sell or give away Sarah or I don't know. I'll figure out something to do with it. Uh, but yeah, they're really good. I, I really like that you get a complete story all at once. That's important because that's normally how I read all the stuff anyways. Like even single issues, I'll wait for an arc to be complete. Right. A lot of these books are being written for the trade now anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is probably a whole different uh, topic <laughs> that we could spend an hour on, but but yeah, no, it, it it's really good. The the creative teams are amazing. They're really really impressive. How like just a team a team that you would never like. I never imagined Walter and Lemire collaborating on a book about like like a sci fi book like Sentient. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I love TKO. I love the stuff they're doing. Their little shorts are are very interesting. Uh, and I think everything is very fairly priced from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're also very cool because during the COVID, like everything that's going on, uh, they had a thing where you could pretty much give part of the profit to your local comic book store. Yeah, that's really cool. Things. Uh, and that's important. I think it's important that a lot of these companies and publishers are taking care of. They, they shouldn't have to take care of the comic book shop, but I mean, they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> another topic that we could get into on another episode, I think. Um 
I, one other thing that I do want to talk about before we wrap up uh, pretty quick is digital subscriptions. And Nick, you kind of touched on this. Uh, Danny, I think you did too. Um, when it comes to like Hoopla borrows, um, you know, we're looking at things like what Marvel's doing, what DC's doing, uh, the Comixology Unlimited, Hoopla. And there's a couple of other, I think there's a couple of other small services out there for things. But um, how, where do you draw the line between I'm going to wait for this in single issue, I'm going to wait for this in trade, I'm going to wait for this to come out on Hoopla versus CU or Marvel Unlimited or just I'm going to wait for this to come out on a subscription service and Hoopla is kind of its own thing, depending on where you live. But where do you, how do you determine whether or not you're going to like buy something versus read it in a, in a service? Uh, I guess we'll start pop over to you, Nick. Um, well, like I draw the line at two ninety nine, which is something I'm definitely not going to go <laughs> back on. Uh, okay. And then okay. also reinstate it several years later when I do rebirth and then also go back on it again. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't dream of that. Why? Why would anyone? Why would anyone do that? <laughs> right. That would just be mean. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. I think what I really like about what subscription models and what Kickstarters bring to the table is that, I mean, I guess for a while there, I was kind of worried with all of these different services and with subscription services and you know. Um, you know, buffet, all you can eat buffet model, um, um, pricing and, and structures was, it was kind of a question of like, are we now devaluing comics to a certain point, which is like a whole soapbox you can go down. But ultimately, sure. like for me, I think what it became was more of a question of, I think these services allow people to really pay in at their own level of investment with something, which is what I think is really great. If, if you're not sure if something is really going to be for you, then, you know, then a hoopla borrow is, is maybe the best way to go or the best way to, to try something um, that I suppose, you know, you're already paying for your local library. So it's not like it's really free, but you know what I mean? I think that that's, you know, a good level. And if, if on the flip side, you're really invested in something and and that thing is offering a Kickstarter, then you can pay on whatever pledge level you want to buy in on something. And I think mm-hmm. I I appreciate this because it's giving it's giving consumers a lot of choice with how much they really want to be involved with something. And and the same thing goes for subscription models. Um, you know, if you have Marvel Unlimited at this point if you really like Marvel, but you're not someone who has to read every book the week it comes out, and but you like it enough that you want to be able to read it on a three month delay, then then Marvel Unlimited is great. Um, right. If you I, if that works, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm I'm more curious as to what what makes your decision. Like, how do you choose between one or the other? Um, to say I'm going to wait for this to be on a service versus I want to read it right now. Right. Sure. Um. I mean, I think I'm pretty okay with waiting on most things now. I'm not sure how, because I do follow a good amount of comic book creators on Twitter. And so you'd Mm -hmm. think I'd be potentially spoiling things left and right. Um, But for some reason, I'm I'm not. and, And maybe it's just because a lot of the books I read really aren't in the what's happening now orbit, you know, um, in the same way that like a, a Donnie Cates book or, um, I don't even know who, who's in the same, maybe like a Scott Snyder book, I suppose. 
Sure. You know, um, those sorts of books where, you know, there's a lot of discussion. And if you fall into a comment thread, you're going to probably have someone, um, you know, uh, ruining something for you. So for me, I'm, I'm mostly okay for waiting. And the few books I am sort of like, okay, like I need this now. Uh, Those are just like sort of the select few like alien books or something like that where, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I might not even be worried about getting it spoiled for me. I just want to make sure I get it in, in singles immediately. Um, either because I just want to have them down the line and I'm worried about accessing them later or especially in terms of like my Dark Horse Aliens books right now, the stuff that's been coming out recently, I don't know quite what's going to happen to those sorts of things with the Disney-Marvel merger and I don't know if I'm going to get into some weird like estate issue or something like that where someone's going to try to settle with uh, someone's going to like bring a lawsuit against Marvel over their work for hire or something. And then next thing you know, book X gets delisted across 18 million things. So, sure, sure. Um, so that, that right there is kind of determining a lot of things for me right now. Right. Um, so it's, it's all based on whether the alien property is in a good space or not. I understand. <laughs> it, it's all uh. depending upon <laughs> the monolithic force that is, is Marvel slash Disney slash Lucasfilm slash 20th century Fox continues to absorb and 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 uh you know in a borg-like way assimilate everything it can find so yeah whatever, whatever the will of the engineers is uh, that's what's going to happen Nick. So. <laughs> <laughs> danny danny where about you where do you where do you come down on like i'm gonna wait for this on subscription and i'm gonna borrow it on hoopla you kind of touched on it before but um do you have like a hard rule in your head or is it is it really just a matter of like budgeting or something like that no there's a few things i mean and yeah as far as budgeting there's no there's no rule there because i have all the services sure Uh, okay (laughs) because i mean when you when you break it down to a yearly cost it's the cost of a comic book that like you're like a not a not regular comic book like an oversized comic book at least which Mm -hmm. i'm already picking up anyways um but yeah i think kind of like nick uh it's mainly spoiler uh related like everything that's Batman, I'm I'm pick I'm reading like week yeah. of. Uh anything that's like a big event. Um anything that Tom King writes is because there's a lot of controversy there usually. So I want to <laughs> stay on top of the ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. My my X Men books to avoid X spoilers because everyone yeah, loves X spoilers. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I think they're the I think they're the worst yeah. from what I've seen in terms of like people eager to ruin things on Twitter. It seems like the X Men books for some bring reason out the best slash worst in people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's stuff like that. Uh, and then, like I said, I'll, I'll read a number one if it's like an indie book. Um, and it's it's very rare that I'm like intrigued enough to not be able to wait. Uh, for the for the trade to come out either on Hoopla or just for me to keep like you know pick, pick up a trade later, yeah yeah. Uh, it it just depends on creators uh, too. Like Donny Kate stuff, I'm reading it weekly as it comes out, whatever mm-hmm. the publisher is. Uh, so just it it it's just like stuff like that. There's no there's no like set rule. It's just like what am I intrigued to kind of keep following? Um, but for Marvel, gotcha. like all, all the tie-ins for for events, like I'm just reading them after they come out on Marvel Unlimited, right? Because I do want to read them. Yeah, 
but I don't want to buy 10,000 books in a month. <laughs> right. Oh. right. We only can, you know, we can only be dedicated to one fandom and it's X-Men and I totally understand it. I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I have Comixology Unlimited because I like the discounts. I like the ability to borrow a handful of books a month. Um, and I don't know, at this point, like the only real subscription service that I'm taking true advantage of is Shonen Jump. Um, if only because, you know, I was reading One Piece for forever and now I'm reading Dragon Ball and, uh, I, I just am, you know, I, I like that service for the bingeability. It's so cheap. It's stupid cheap. $2 a month is insane. Um, and I mean, because of that, I'm reading more manga, which is, in, in you know, it's funny because I'm I'm reading more manga, but then I'm buying more physical manga that's not from Shonen Jump, not from Viz. Um, like I'm buying Witch at Atelier and Dunge- Delicious in Dungeon as physical books because, you know, I, I want those books and they come out slow enough that it's not going to overwhelm my, my um, uh, bookshelf. And plus, they're some of the most beautiful, fun books you can read. But like at this point, like I, I'm buying One Punch Man in volumes, but I still read the chapters on Shonen Jump because they're technically published differently. If you didn't know that, um, and it, it's really interesting because like now I want to buy all of My Hero Academia, and I think Shonen Jump is definitely doing its job to get me more into manga in general. And if that's what the the goal is, then they've totally done it. Um, but like otherwise, like Comicsology isn't convincing me to like re- get into Transformers or read all this DC stuff because like I'm unless I decide to go into a big backlog binge, I'll probably get MU for that because there's more content. Um, but I mostly have like the five ninety nine a month to read like one or two like one off trades or collections, um, like reading those Kingdom Hearts books that I was reading a little while back. Um, or just you know getting that 10 percent discount on marvel and dc and all that other stuff um is really nice so um i don't know but i and then i use hoopla for you know the discord book club that we do and all the other stuff um i don't know i i mostly just just buy i just i just buy comic books that's that's the that's the long and short of it but uh yeah i don't know i, I guess like you know there's a lot more we could probably talk about this uh, i don't know if you guys have any any final thoughts um anything you wanted to make sure that we touched on before we wrapped up here um nick or Danny? Yeah, I have something. Uh, so you you mentioned that as far as actually buying physical, I mean, digital books, I know I said I rarely do it, but I'll go through a quick checklist of like, can I read this in anything that I'm already paying for? And, and oh, if, okay. okay. If I can't, then I'll go ahead. Because like you mentioned, we do get a, a discount with Comixology. Uh, I'm really, I'm picking up a lot of those DC digital first uh, because they're uh, like, it comes out to like 84 cents a book. Yeah, with it's the discount. Yeah. yeah, with the discount, it's ridiculous that you like, and they're really good stories. Like the Injustice Year Zero that just finished by Tom Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, like that's just really cool. Like all the Injustice has been really good, um, so I really enjoy that. And then as far as the, I forgot to mention when we we're talking about the Kickstarters, um, I'm very selective. Not selective. It's really random what I pick on Kickstarter because it's like what pops up on my Twitter feed, really, or yes. like you'll bring. <laughs> You'll bring stuff up or, or people on the Discord will recommend stuff. So I'll go take a look. Um, although I do like taking advantage of whenever they have a tier that has original art because it, oh, it, okay. it feels kind of cool to like, like, you can tell that these projects are very meaningful to the creators. Mm-hmm. So if you have something where you can help them and then get in on the ground and then get some original art out of it. Um, I think that's very cool. So those are those are kind of the Kickstarters that I, I gravitate towards whenever they offer some kind of like original art uh, tier or something like that, which can be a yeah. little pricier, but th- that's why I'm more selective about what Kickstarters I support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, See, that's funny. Cause I take like the totally opposite approach. <laughs> 
to that. Like, I, I really like supporting Kickstarters. I, I like being able to throw a couple bucks at a book, get a digital copy of the first issue or the collected edition or whatever is coming out. They're trying to, you know, kickstart. Um, and I usually go digital for a lot of that stuff. And so I've got like a, just a backlog of PDFs and things that, back, that I've backed over the last handful of years. Um, I mean, I do go for physical books sometimes. Some some Kickstarters only offer physical books, which is crazy to me. Um like I think Saladin Ahmed did, is doing a book that's coming out and he only had a physical edition. Um, but, you know, like I backed the Marco Rudy collected edition that he did for his RDW volume one. Um, Elsa Chartier's book that she did in you know, her art book that's coming out, yeah. which is going to be huge. And I'm very, very excited about that. Me too. Um, uh, Maddie Once Upon a Time in the Future by Alex DeCampi and a bunch of different creators. Um, I, I did some of those in, in physical, but like for the most part, I'm usually trying to find like smaller, you know, like it's only got like three or 400 people backing it on Kickstarter and I'll throw like five or 10 bucks at it if I can, means I can get the collected edition um, just to kind of help out because my, my thought is I'd like to just help out as many Kickstarters as I can versus just like throwing money at specific Kickstarters. Um, that does mean that it takes me a while to get to these books, but um ultimately like i don't know kickstarter is the future I, I had a whole rant in the middle of another episode that uh may somehow become part of a thing in the future but uh nonetheless it's it's really really exciting and i i, I love kickstarters if only because i think they are putting out some of the more interesting content it's not all good but it is more interesting i think than um what has to go through the process of getting published by publishers um and they're very niche and very focused um and i think that that's kind of the future of like like comic books in general like you don't have to pu- publish comics for everybody and again i'm getting on the soapbox again so um before i i go too far with that i i just think that kickstarter has a lot of potential and it has grown significantly in the last five years and to me that's the some of the most exciting sides or pieces of comic books right now um yeah but yeah um nick i don't know any any last last thoughts for you i mean i would just probably reiterate what i think we've been getting at this whole time which is just there's a lot of options out there. And if you're someone who's looking into comics, but also if you're someone who's maybe been involved with comics before and sort of got burned out, or or if you're someone who maybe feels like comics aren't really addressing the ways in which you want to read, either in terms of budget or in terms of space, or in terms of just, um, you know, your level of investment in something, I would just Mm -hmm. encourage people to just really weigh a lot of the options that we've presented uh, because I think we're really hitting what I think is a really good sweet spot where you can pay in in terms of your time, in terms of your money, in terms of your shelf space. You can get out of something what you want to pay in. I think we're really starting to reach that point. You know, it's, it's, it's not like it used to be 20 years ago where you would you would have to buy a whole CD just because you wanted the one song on it. Like we've we've gotten, you know, way we've, we've taken steps way, way, way far away from that now. And I think people should take advantage of that. Yeah, definitely. We, we can have this conversation in 18 months again, and I bet you it'll be completely different. <laughs> it's going to be me. I've quit all of comic books. I'm only reading Shonen Jump manga and Kickstarter. Uh, <laughs> wait. Um, but yeah, let's, you know, we got to wrap up here. Uh, we have run out of tape quite a bit a while ago, and now I don't know if this is even going to make it to the final cutting floor. Um, just kidding. Danny, where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more thoughts about the DC universe and big two books and just comic books in general? Um, well, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Echo Spider. Uh, cool handle. I got it when I was a teenager. 
love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like Mike said, I am a co-host of the Next Issue podcast, where we kind of talk about comics and and different kind of pop culture things. You can just go to the Next Issue Podcast uh, and you can find all the stuff there. Uh, sometimes I write a little articles about like how to read some stuff and get into it, get into comics. So just hit me up, and I, I got Rex. Rex on Rex on Rex. <laughs> we'll make sure to have that all uh, in the show notes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Raffin. And you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it, we, we're trying to post a lot of stuff. I, I, I promise there's going to be a bunch of stuff promoting this annual that's coming up. So make sure you leave us a voicemail. We're really excited about it. This show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. If you're interested, you can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be great on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Make sure you join us on Discord and listen to these episodes live as we record them at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord, and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. And if you do, you could win a gift card to Comixology or Midtown Comics. Xander is our editor. He's just he's just great. He's just a swell person. Fantastic guy. He, uh, he's got a great laugh. If you ever get a chance to hear it, it'll change your life. I want to say thank you to Danny and Nick for being on this episode. Thank you to Aaron and Cinco who are listening to this episode live and everybody else out there who listens and shares the show and chats with us on Twitter, tags us on things on Instagram. We really, really appreciate it. And until next time, comics are good. And so are you.